Welcome to episode number 57 of Off the Shelf. I've searched for gold and I've longed for the silver. I've climbed the mountain for one glance of a jewel. And I won't be satisfied. Till I find what I've come for. Hi, my name is Rod Bergen. I want to welcome you to this episode of Off the Shelf. Most of our listeners know who I am, but for those who don't, I was a message follower for almost 40 years. I started my journey out of the message in 2009, and I am currently leading a large Christian ministry in Canada, Power to Change. Uh, if you're curious about the ministry, please take a look at our website, which is at p2c.com. Now, my guest today is Jay Cox, and this is a first for Off the Shelf. Jay was born into a message family, grew up in the message, but is still in the message. He started believing in God as a teenager, and at 17, started the American Cynic Party page on Facebook, which we'll put a link to if you're interested, and began doing an informal news broadcast called The Watchdog. He also has a second show called Unapologetics. Based on the intro that Jay provided me, his Educational credentials are that he has a GED, but like most in the message, I think Jay would generally be opposed to education. Welcome, Jay. Uh, good to have you on Off the Shelf. And thank you very much for having me. Um, it's obviously an honor to be here. I, uh, I'm actually kind of glad to have gotten a hold of you because I know it has been something that for quite a long time there's been a few. I know we had uh, Owen Owen Jorgensen, I think was his name. Um, wrote a, you know, he wrote a piece on defending critics of the message, but he never actually talked to a critic of the message on that. And I know this is something that hasn't really happened very mainstream. Nobody does. Nobody does, Jay. Nobody does. <laughs> it's uh, so you. This is a first. Some people would say you're a brave soul. Other folks in the message might have other words for you. But I'm uh, glad to have you here. And, and want to congratulate you as the first message person to have contacted us to come onto our podcast. So we're really happy to have you here. Uh, one question which you didn't answer, which I, I think everybody would be curious with, is how old are you? I am currently 20. 20. Yes, sir. So I have, um, I actually, when I originally started this all, uh, as you actually already stated, I was uh, 17. Uh, at this point, it's roughly two to three years old. Um, Interestingly enough, it actually originally had not only nothing to do with the message, but nothing to do with faith at all. Uh, the Watchdog was kind of supposed to be my only thing. And then I just slowly evolved into getting a second show here. Um, the Unapologetics itself is actually only a few months old, roughly seven. Um, and that was actually while I was 19, not quite 20 yet. Good, good. Well, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of youth. I've got four kids. Um, always amazed at how articulate and how wise they are and in fact it's it's really fun sometimes to, to think well my kid actually said that it's really really makes me proud of my kids that they've turned out so well anyways back to what our conversation is is about today and that is about the message you are a believer of the message and i no longer am so that i, I think we should start out with the basics, which is whether William Brannan was a prophet or not. So I, I do think it would be from my standpoint and from our listener's standpoint of interest to hear 
which flavor you are in the message. And we haven't talked about this before. I haven't had time. I've been in uh, our board meetings all week. Jay and I haven't had a, a lot of conversation time. In fact, just a couple of emails exchanged. So I, I'd be interested to know uh, what flavor you are. And you may not, as a younger person in the message, may not be aware of all the flavors. Uh, having been in the message myself for almost 40 years, I was painfully aware of some of the flavors. So you believe William Brown to be a prophet, correct? Uh, yes, I do. So I take a um, position that William Branham was a prophet of God in the Old Testament sense. Now, what I mean by that is that whilst under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he was able to properly identify scriptural, um, what would be the word there, scriptural mysteries, and also able to prophesy the future. Would you believe he was the fulfillment of Malachi 4, 5, and 6? Uh, well, maybe. And what I mean by that, and this is actually a opinion that is unique to me, so I will admit that there is no other message believers who think this way. I have not confirmed that, and my reason for saying is I don't know if the Seventh Age messenger and the Malachi prophet were supposed to be the same person, and I have yet to hear Brother Branham ever claiming to be the Malachi prophet. Um, in fact, I think that's actually one of the common points that is raised against him is that he never claims to be the Malachi prophet. He, he does and he doesn't. Like, he's very, he's very cagey about the way he does it. I don't agree with that, and I'd have to kind of pull up uh, the quotes on that. But I do think he claimed to be that. So certainly, I guess, you're not sure whether he's Malachi 4 or 5. Do you think he was the messenger to the church of Laodicea which is in Revelation 3, 14 to 22. Uh, yes, that is, I think that, in my opinion, is uh, pretty solidified. Virtually all the people in the message, without many exceptions, would say he's the fulfillment of Malachi 4, 5, and 6, and Revelation 3, 14 to 22 is the messenger to Laodicea. So you're, you're kind of, uh, you'd say yes to that, no to Malachi 4, 5, well, maybe to Malachi 4, 5, and 6. You, you haven't arrived at a, at a decision on that. Uh, that would that be correct? Exactly. What about the angel of Revelation ten seven? Um, well, I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of it sounds to me like the angel of Revelation ten seven when I read Revelation is actually supposed to be um, an actual angel, like an actually angelic being. But again, that is not exactly something that I have quite. And to be fair, there are a few things that I think have been just very unquestionable according to the message this is and i think this is why you have a lot of um which you know i won't go into in too much detail just because i'm sure we'll get to a lot of it later but this is why you have so many different interpretations in my opinion is because i think a lot of people don't really differentiate between some things that might have been said in a sermon and some things that were said under inspiration of the holy spirit you know i often say we don't have moses's entire recordings for 20 years we have no idea you know some things he toyed around with some things that he might have um, even gotten wrong, for that matter, because I, I guarantee that Moses got something theologically, theologically wrong at some point. We just don't have that recorded because we only recorded what was inspired. We happen to be a little bit more lucky than that, or unlucky, depending on your opinion, with Brother Branham. And I think because of that, there are a lot of things that might be dicey, to say the least. So how do you discern when William Branham was under the anointing and therefore inspired and when he wasn't? Um, I think the phrase, thus saith the Lord, is... A big one. First off, I think for, if you are claiming anything as thus saith the Lord, it had better be thus saith the Lord, or we're going to 
you know, spiritually speaking, have a serious problem. I also do think that there might be some instances that are a little bit more mysterious than that, though those I don't think there'd be any way of properly identifying until after the fact. As an example, if I were to right now say uh, something along the lines of, I think that Iran is going to attack India on the, you know, the Ides of March in 2019, um, and that's just, of course, totally random. But the point being, that I didn't claim any divine inspiration or anything like that, and yet that precisely actually happened, that wouldn't be something anybody would be able to know until after the fact. But as far as before the fact is concerned, I think uh, thus saith the Lord, prophecies are um, really what we would have to boil down there. So if I was able to show you a thus saith the Lord that William Branham said that failed, what would your, be re your reaction be to that? Uh, well, I think it would, pr first off, I would just have to say, um, I would obviously want to uh, look into it a little further for myself, just because, you know, obviously that would have to come to my own conclusions there. Now, that being said, that doesn't, of course, negate any possibility of you bringing that up, though I assume um, that might actually be the brown bear message or the tent message. If there is another one, of course, then I'm sure you'll be able to bring that up there. Well, there's a few. There's the brown bear message. There is the um, African meeting vision, uh, the tent vision. Some people would say, well, it's a spiritualized vision. It's not something that will actually take place. And there are differences of opinion within the message. So I've never been one that really would hang my hat on the tent vision as being a, a big negative or a big positive. I think it's a negative because he never, he was looking forward to its fulfillment. He never said it was fulfilled. And uh, one of the problems, are you familiar with cognitive dissonance? Yes. And confirmation bias. And that's one of the problems with people in the message is that everything they see is through the, well, William Branham is a prophet. Therefore, I need to skew the facts to ensure that William Branham remains a prophet and they're not prepared to look at the fact that he might not have been a prophet. So from my standpoint, the biggest, you know, this is a big issue is the brown bear vision because William Branham said, thus saith the Lord, he would shoot a brown bear. And he never did. And everybody in the message agrees he never did. There are excuses given. The problem is none of those excuses match the test of Deuteronomy 18, 20 to 22. So you're familiar with Deuteronomy 18, 20 to 22? Uh, yes, sir. I actually have quite a, uh, familiarity with um, apologetics uh, with Islam, and that is actually arguably the most common verse we end up addressing in the Bible. You would agree that it's a one strike and you're out test? Well, yes and no. What I mean by that is I used, uh, I used Balaam as an example, although that might actually sound a little interesting. Um, the reason I use Balaam as an example, though, is because Balaam clearly had a prophecy, or the ability to prophesy, rather, from God. Um, I don't think that's actually disputable in the scriptures. Um, that being said, though, he also very clearly acted against the sovereign will of God and decided to use that gift for his own means. Um, now, and he was, of course, killed for it. That doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't a prophet beforehand. Now, what that means, in my opinion, is that it is entirely possible for somebody to be, shall we say, taken. Um, and I think this is actually something that is kind of backed up by uh, Mr. I can't, can't remember his name. I think it was Kenneth Hagin. I'm not mistaken. Um, a man who actually said that uh, William Branham was a uh, minister of the word and that towards the end of his life, there was something that 
happened, and I can't recall what, you'll have to excuse my memory here, um, that actually caused Delore to take his life. I think that fits in very well with what Brother Brandon himself said about the brown bear vision, which was that he would shoot a brown bear um, as a sign of forgiveness of God, um, which he may or may not have actually received. I guess that would be an, in a more carnal sense, of course, because, of course, in the eternal sense, if you weren't forgiven of your sins of God, you would, of course, be damned eternally. Um, I think there's quite a bit of a difference, though, between what happens here in the physical and what happens in the uh, spiritual, rather. And I would, as a example of that, give David, where David is clearly forgiven for his adultery with Bathsheba, and yet he is still punished for it here in the physical realm with the death of his child. I look at Balaam in a different way in that Balaam, the, the scripture always says that a prophet could arise who would lead people to other gods, and they weren't to believe him if he led them to other gods. So there, there's kind of two tests. Does the prophet lead you to other gods? That you have to, you have to check. Because if he does, then he's a bad guy. Then you have to say, does the prophet say something and it doesn't come to pass? That prophet gets put to death. Uh, the prophet that leads you away from God is also to be put to death. So there's, there's kind of two different bad prophets. Uh, one that kind of speaks on his own, says, I'm speaking in the name of the Lord, speaks on his own and something doesn't come to pass. Like that guy is out. And that is my view of William Branham. Because William Branham said, and it was very clear what he said, I'm going into the back country. I'm going to get a brown bear. You see if it's not right. God's perfect and never fails. And he said, it will be. That's thus saith the Lord. It will be. I'm going to get a brown bear. Like It wasn't. There's no conditions. This is thus saith the Lord. It's as if God was speaking. And God doesn't. I mean, and if there was a condition, it'd be there. And he said, no conditions, it will be, that's thus saith the Lord. So I don't know how you get around that. Well, the thing is, though, is there is prophecies. First off, there's prophecies in the Bible that are given as a virtue of condition. Um, and also there are quite a bit of places where Brother Branham states that that is a vision given to him and that it's a, actually a sign. Because if you recall, there's actually two brown bear visions, right? There's one that is successful. And then after he shoots that brown bear, no, there's the grizzly bear. There's a grizzly bear and a brown bear. They're two different species. The grizzly bear one, he shot the grizzly bear. This is after, this is after the grizzly bear. Right. Because and I know because the pastor of my church was, was in northern British Columbia when, when the grizzly bear was shot. So that happened. And then William Branham said, I am had another vision. I'm going to shoot a really big bear. You, you can't conflate these things. You can't mix them up together. They're two separate things. The grizzly bear vision, that's something else. There was no, and, and this is one of my, one of my issues with William Branham, uh, because I would ask you if you have any before the fact prophecies that William Branham made on tape. Uh, and honestly, I just, I'm looking for a single one. Can you provide our listeners with an unambiguous prophecy made by William Branham that was recorded publicly before the fact so that I can verify it on the tape that was later fulfilled in a clear manner. I mean, honestly, surely somewhere between 1946 and 1965, if this guy's a prophet, there is at least one clear prophecy that was made on tape that was fulfilled. We do have some prophecies that were made on tape. Uh, the brown bear vision. It wasn't fulfilled. The African vision, it wasn't fulfilled. So his record 
with those things that he actually did make on tape are really bad. And we've looked at this quite clear closely. I've, I've studied this. There are five types of prophecies that William Branham could have made. There's a vague prophecy. So a vague prophecy can sort of be fulfilled, right? And this is the kind of prophecy that's quite po common in popular uh, uh, culture and amongst those that call themselves psychic seers or fortune tellers. And this kind of a prophecy is made in advance, but it contains enough vagueness for deniability. William Branham, he made some of those, and there's one of those would be the prophecy of the birth of his son, Joseph. It was really vague, and, he's, and he puts an out in there uh, so that if it didn't happen, it, 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 he gets out. Then there are pr prophecies that are made beforehand, and you can verify that he made the prophecy. It's very clear, but the prophecy wasn't fulfilled. That would be the vision of the brown bear, the vision of the African meetings. Both of those failed. Uh, we've got another kind of prophecy, the third kind, a prophecy that was unverified. So he made it, uh, and he tells you later that he made it, but it actually wasn't fulfilled. Now, that's really kind of a dumb prophecy. I, I understand that. Uh, that would include the municipal bridge vision, where he said, you know, when I was a boy, eight or nine years old, I had this vision, and later on it was fulfilled exactly. Well, the problem is it wasn't fulfilled exactly. No, 16 people didn't die in the, the bridge, and so it's just a lie. Uh, the Marilyn Monroe vision is a similar one. He tells you after the fact, Marilyn Monroe died because she was... Uh, she had a heart attack, but that's not what the medical results uh, turned out. So, so that is a unverified prophecy that he said was a prophecy that he made, but then actually wasn't fulfilled. Then you've got a prophecy unverified that was clearly fulfilled. So this is the typical after-the-fact prophecy, and that would include the vision of the grizzly bear. This would include the the uh, Carrie Holma, the the Finnish boy. This would include the New Albany prophecy, the Ohio River flood. And it would include the, the driverless car one, although that's even a little bit more muddy. And then you've got the last kind. This is the most important kind. And that is anything that was made beforehand that we can verify, that anybody independently can verify, that was made beforehand that were clearly fulfilled. That would be considered a true prophecy. We, we actually have only one of those. And that is the death of Florence Shakarian. Uh, I've been asking this question for uh, years. Someone finally brought this one to my attention. It was made publicly a few years before she died. However, even this prophecy has a couple of problems because William Branham made the prophecy, but it was after uh, Florence Carrion was diagnosed with terminal cancer and that it advanced to a stage where the doctors couldn't stop it. So how hard is it to predict that someone's going to die when the medical diagnosis two years earlier was that they've got a terminal inoperable cancer? And then... Even then, the prophecy was ambiguous because William Branham left over the possibility that she might be healed. And he said this specifically, pray, just pray. You know, there's prophet one time was told to go to tell the king house in order and he prayed and he spared his life, pray. So he was saying, well, maybe if you pray, she won't get killed. Then after he died, she said, I told everybody that she would die and nobody believed me, right? They all said she was live, but he gave, a, he gave an out. So like, honestly, when you really take a look very closely at William Branham's prophecies, there aren't any. There aren't any good ones. We try to keep our podcast to around a half hour, so we will bring this month's episode to a close. But please come back in one month for part two of our interview with Jay Cox. If you have a question or comment, please feel free to go to our website at offtheshelf.com.
life. There is a comment section at the bottom of every episode's webpage. Or you are welcome to send an email to rod at offtheshelf.life. Have a great week and thanks for listening. Search for gold and I've longed for the silver. I've climbed many mountains for one glance of a jewel. And I won't be satisfied till I find what I've come for. I won't be satisfied till I meet with you. Is there hope enough these days To forgive someone like me Is there grace enough these days To forgive someone like me Is there love enough these days Thank you.